0: Hey team, welcome back to The World's Last Night. This is James Thayer. Today I'm doing something a little bit different. We're not going to be reading Exodus. I'm not even reading a text like I normally do when I do a special episode like this. I'm just going to be talking to you off the cuff. As you know, this podcast, I created it primarily for two reasons. One, uh, to allow me to further delve into scripture and understand it. When I speak about it out loud, when I preach about it, I remember it better. Uh, Number two, it's for my children because I want my kids to have a foundation for their faith that they can build off of and hopefully improve um, off of what I help lay for them. So in that regard, what I wanted to talk about today was basically your capacity as a human being. Now, there's several different ways we can come at that, but I think it's really important that as a person, you understand just how much capacity you actually have in several different veins. So let's just talk about spiritual capacity at first. Think about, for example, the man in the Gospels who was possessed by a demon that called himself Legion. And the demon said, we're Legion because we are many. And so what it amounted to was there were several demons in this man that he was possessed by. And a legion was actually a term to describe the number of people in a Roman army. Um, It was like a division. I don't necessarily remember what that number is, but it was really, really high. It was like a thousand or something crazy like that. So that's something you can look up. But uh, the the point of that is that there's calling himself legions, that there's a ton of them. Now, you remember, when Jesus goes to cast this demon out, they end up finding a herd of pigs to go into. They actually beg Jesus not to send them into what is called the abyss, which I believe is actually hell. I mean, we know hell was created not for man. It was created for Satan and his demons. Man decided to rebel, as we've learned in Genesis and join the side of Satan in, uh, as an antagonist to God. And thus, men that decide to do that also share the same fate as Satan and his demons. Well, that's a really terrible place. Hell, even demons are scared of it. It's not like that weird, cartoonish, you know, there's just fire and Satan rules the place. He doesn't rule the place. It's where he is tormented. So demons don't want to go there, and they beg Jesus, don't send us into that. Send us into the herd of pigs over there. So Jesus casts out legion, and all these demons go into this herd of pigs, and the pigs uh, basically barrel off a cliff and all die. Why do I bring that up when I talk about capacity? Because the human spiritual capacity is absurd. This human held on to a legion of demons probably several hundred or several thousand demons, right? So within the framework of the human being, spiritually speaking, there is a a huge capacity for evil. Um, as we know, you, you have people in history like Goebbels, uh, who basically worked for Hitler was his right hand man. I believe he was over propaganda, but I'm not too sure. Um, But such a man had a great capacity for evil. Hitler himself, great capacity for evil to execute the final solution. Several people, serial killers, whatever, have an extreme capacity for evil. On the flip side, think about this. As a Christian, you know, you're saved and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And Scripture tells us pretty um, blatantly that the same... God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside of you. So, think about this for a second. Jesus is on the inside of you, or the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. It might be more accurate, whatever. You could probably find scripture to support both belief systems. But the point is, the God of the universe, who is uncontainable, has decided to give a portion of himself to dwell inside of you. You are a tabernacle. You are a temple. And inside of you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You are a conduit. So how great is your spiritual capacity? It's very great. Extremely great. And so, when Paul says you need to be desirous of the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, I mean, he, he makes that a little caveat. Um, it really, to us, means we should never necessarily be content with where we are spiritually, in our capacity, and our ability spiritually. We should always be desirous to expand and grow and stretch, and ask God to fill us with more of His presence, more of Him, clothe us with more of Christ, and give us those um, spiritual gifts to be of a, a benefit to others, to edify others. Of course, Scripture says the um, tongues is to edify oneself. So, let's uh, compartmentalize that for a second, and let's look at other ways. Other other ways um, we have capacity as human beings. One that I want to talk about specifically is. Your capacity to work and your capacity to have a work ethic. The number of things you're able to do and conquer and grow and build at one time in your life. On my way home today, I was just sort of lamenting the fact that I can't be in two places at once. Bottom line is, I have a lot going on in my life right now. And um, I'm trying to, I guess people would say, juggle a lot of different plates. Building a house physically. <laughs> uh, I consistently need to be on the land to do something or another. And we haven't even started laying foundation yet. Uh, I have a family to take care of that has emotional needs for me to be present and involved. I have a toddler who needs to be picked up, dropped off, put to bed, clothed in the morning, fed, et etc. et cetera. I have a new baby on the way. And today we went to a um, ultrasound. No, yesterday we went for an ultrasound for that. So new baby on the way, and I need to take take care of my pregnant wife. I also have a business I have to run, several different facets to that business. I'm trying to launch a network. I'm trying to launch a new business on top of running the old business to pay the bills. And I have several clients that need their needs met in order for me to have my needs met because I have to pay my bills. So there's a lot of juggling. But then on top of all that, you have I'm trying to read scripture. I'm trying to read books to expand my knowledge. I'm trying to keep up with news. I'm trying to uh, be a stockbroker with our own stock account. There's just several things that I'm trying to do at one time. But what I want to encourage you with is the fact that you have the capacity to do that. Life may seem overwhelming, but just know that when you come to the end of your rope, and you feel like you can't do anything else, God comes in, our weakness becomes our strength because that's when God really shows up and we start really relying on his strength. So I feel like a lot of people in my generation get overwhelmed and this leads to certain mental issues and then you get little cycles of depression or anxiety, but they get overwhelmed pretty easily. And, you know, some of that comes from just bad raising or whatever, childhoods, whatever. But my encouragement to you is to understand that you have a greater capacity than you think you have. Now, I once hiked 50 miles in a single day. And before I did that, I didn't think that that's something that I would ever be able to do. But I had read about men that had done it previously, that this was a challenge that Teddy Roosevelt came up with, that I think JFK expanded upon. And so I knew, well, you know, if other people can do it, um, I'm not, you know, I wasn't very in shape, but I, I have a strong fortitude. I thought, oh, I'll do it. And I did me and two buddies, hiked 50 miles in a day. There's a a principle that the Navy SEALs use. And basically it, it says that when you feel like you cannot go on any further, when you feel like you're done you know, physically exerted, and you can't go any further. The truth is, you've only used up about 60% of your capacity. And this was very true for me on that 50 mile hike. When I got to about 30 miles of hiking, I was done. And I told my two buddies, I said, you know, I I don't think I can do this anymore. Um, My knee was acting up from an injury I got in high school, It came back as just throbbing and in total pain. And they encouraged me. They were like, no, man, no, no, no. Like, you're going to do this. We're going to get some food. We're going to take a slight break. And then we're going to get back at it. And so their encouragement really pushed me through that wall. And guess what? Those last 20 miles were easier than the first 30. I wrapped my leg. I had some food, a little bit of rest, about 20 minutes of rest. And we got back at it and we finished, you know, in the dark. But we finished and we celebrated and it was exciting. We made challenge coins from that ordeal. But the Navy SEAL thing was correct. I went about 60%, and I thought I was done. But really, no, I'd only gone 60% of my capacity. The point I'm trying to make is I'm not, I'm not trying to regale you with my own personal life and what I try to do. It's to encourage you that wherever you are in life right now, however difficult you might think it is, if you call on God, if you build a team of people around you, to encourage and build you up. You can do so much more than you think. And ultimately, I believe we are called to go from what scripture calls glory to glory and strength to strength. So throughout your life, the the, the end game is to burn brighter when you're dead than when you were born. And now, of course, your body's going to age and your body's going to wear out but you will have several other avenues to continue to grow and expand whether that's in knowledge in preaching the gospel in your relationship with God in your legacy you're leaving behind your influence with your children and grandchildren with those around you who maybe have lost loved ones at at a certain age you know you start losing several family members and friends but the point in in my perspective is not to uh, burn out early and then retire. It's actually to increase your responsibility and your um, capacity spiritually throughout your entire life. Until you know, you finally get to open up. You get that V8 engine. <laughs> After you die, you get a new glorified body. And I don't know. What, I don't know what that's like. I, I hope it's sort of like <laughs> I can spend a hundred years, quotes, years, in heaven, really working on one skill set, and then eh, I'm going to spend the next quotes hundred years working on another skill set. Um, whatever it might be. My point is, your capacity is so much greater than you think it is. So, you know, wherever you are at in life right now, take a moment to evaluate um, where you are and what the walls are that you're hitting. And ask God to increase your capacity to overcome it. Because, let's see, Scripture says suffering produces perseverance. This is true. Anytime someone suffers, so long as you can get that spark of tenacity, you can overcome that suffering and you can persevere. It allots you, it affords you the opportunity to persevere. That's what suffering or difficulty does. Then scripture goes on to say, perseverance produces character, which that's also true. You develop discipline. In some ways, we forfeit our ability to have capacity because we aren't disciplined So we might push several hours of the day into entertainment where all we're doing is consuming and not producing. We're playing video games. We're reading books. um, We are indulging in entertainment, television, films, whatever. Um, And all these things, they can grow you in certain ways. But if you find yourself not having enough time to grow your net worth or your household or whatever it may be, you might want to consider culling or cutting out some of those other things that are sucking away um, your ability to accomplish those things. Um, but the bottom line is, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, discipline is one, one facet of character, but then the last little bit in scripture, it says, Character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. I believe that what that means is once you've overcome and you've conquered and you develop the character, this is after going through suffering, you now, the next time you encounter suffering, have hope because you remember that God brought you through that terrible time. And thus, Now you have hope going through a new endeavor that God's going to bring you through that one also. That's how I personally interpret that passage in scripture. And it's true for me. I try to write down the miracles God has done in my life, the things he's brought me through. um, And it consistently gives me hope that when I make mistakes or when things are out of my control or out of my hands, I'm able to uh, have hope that God will bring me through it, just like he brought me through those last things so today, one of the reasons that I think sparked this for me is uh Nashville had a tornado that came through I think it was an f three tornado it just obliterated neighborhoods and so we woke up this morning and i had a i have a terrible deadline for one of my clients um it 's this show that i that i I edit and it basically pays for most of my bills. Most of them, yeah. And I really need to get that kind of show done and please that client. But I woke up and this tornado had come through and I felt convicted that I needed to go help people that are having issues because you have to prioritize these things. People's lives are more important than um, pleasing a client. So Allie and I... Got up, got the chainsaw, found a babysitter for Ella, got the work gloves out, went out to a neighborhood that was totally devastated and helped a friend clear out their house that was just obliterated. And um, then we started helping other neighbors in the neighborhood, and we cut up a ton of trees, moved a bunch of lo- you know logs and stuff. And unfortunately, I stepped on a nail, and the nail went into my foot. And I had to go get a tetanus shot and all that. But my point to, to tell you the story is we then had to go pick up Ella, took her back home. And by this time, it was like 3 o'clock, 3 or 4 o'clock. And I have this deadline where I have a a video due today that the client needs by tomorrow. So I end up needing to go into work, right? And I edit and I cut this thing until uh, like 7.30 p.m., So I woke up, started my day with Ella, getting her ready. Actually, I woke up before that monitoring our stock portfolio at about 6.30. Then I got done working at 7.30, so that's a 13-hour day. And then now I'm doing a podcast, and this is producing. And so, you know, the next thing I need to do is kind of go to sleep, hang out with Allie a little bit more. My point to all this and what I really want to get across is I don't feel overwhelmed and I don't feel burned out. And the only reason is because I know that I did what God told me to do today. Felt convicted. I helped people. He gave me the grace through that client who I told him about what I was doing to be able to get that video to them very late tonight. And even though I I got a nail in my foot, (laughs) it's going to heal up. I had a med kit. I bandaged it and wrapped it up. So the capacity that you have each day to accomplish it's so much greater than than you think um and that's if you continually draw on god i mean that's that's bottom line if you're in his will he's going to provide you all the resources you need that could be money and it could be health it could be um it could be endurance the ability to get through suffering. And, uh, you know, I'm not preaching a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. I'm just saying that when God gives you a mission, he's going to also give you the equipment you need to accomplish the mission. And a lot of times that stretches us and forces us to look at uh, what we thought we could do and what God thinks we can do. And decide that we're going to go with what God thinks we can do over what we think we can do or what Satan says we can't do. And sometimes you just have to make that active decision. So, to my kids who might be listening to this uh, down the line, know that you can do exceedingly more than you believe you can. This is a spiritual principle And it's rooted in the person of Christ who has empowered you to be able to accomplish his purpose. So whether you are facing a a deficit in courage to preach the gospel to your friends, which can be scary and look insurmountable, or you are having to work 12 hours a day just to put food on the table, or you're having to... You know, juggle a hundred different things at once. Maybe take care of a sick or dying loved one. Whatever it is, center yourself on God. Understand that he's already somewhat written the script of your life, or at least he laid out the path for you to take. And because of that, so long as you stay on that narrow path, he's going to get you through it. And you're going to be better for it on the other side. And if you do that for your entire life, I believe you're just going to become brighter and brighter by the time you die. And I'm talking spiritually. I'm talking making God proud that you did something worthwhile with your life. So I'm going to leave you with one final parable. There's a parable of the the talents. It's so ironic to me that this coin is called a talent because In our language, a talent is some sort of gifting you have, right? But this rich man basically goes away. This is the parable. He goes away. He has three servants, managers, and he gives one of them one talent, which is a coin. He gives another one five talents, and he gives another one ten talents. The person with the ten talents managed by the time the master comes back to turn it into twenty doubled it. The person who was given the five talents managed to turn it into 10. But the person with the one talent didn't do anything with it, dug a hole and hid it, Hid it under a rock. So when the master comes back, you know what he does? He basically says, okay, the one with the 10, you made 10 more. You did wonderful. You're going to Uh, rule over 10 cities in my kingdom. And I might be a little bit off on that. Read the parable yourself. The one with the five, hey, you did a great job. You doubled it. You made 10. You're going to rule over five cities of my kingdom. But then he looks at the person with the one and he says, uh, why did you not do anything with what I gave you? And the guy gives a stupid excuse. And And the master says, I'm going to take the one talent I gave you, I'm going to give it to the person that I gave 10, and you're going to have nothing. Even what you think you have, you're going to have nothing. The moral of the parable that Jesus is saying is basically, to those who are given, much is expected. And to those who are given much, more is expected. Even the person who is given one talent, even though they thought that wasn't a lot, uh, the charge and the expectation was that they would double what they were given. So don't squander your life. Don't hide your time, talent, and treasure under a rock. So whenever you finally do die at the end of your life and Jesus comes to you and asks you, how did you use what I gave you? All the money I gave you, the health I gave you, the talents I gave you, the family I gave you, everything I gave you, the gospel that I entrusted you with, how did you use it? Be the person who can say, I doubled it or I tripled it I expanded and worked and knew that my capacity wasn't necessarily dependent upon what I thought about myself or what Satan told me, but it is what you expected of me. Be that kind of person and you can be proud of how you lived your life. The good kind of pride, the Galatians kind of pride, not the sinful kind that wants to have more than another or whatever. So that's all. Uh, Maybe I'll get back into Exodus here the next time we meet, but until then, this is James from The World's Last Night.